quickly. You got to hit them immediately with what's in it for them, along with a, an interesting hook, whether it's a story, a great stat that you have to share, or just an, an encapsulation of the problem you're trying to solve. Retirement. That's what we're all aiming at, right? But exactly what does that mean? It conjures up visions of endless days of golf, drinks with little umbrellas in them on a tropical beach, feet up reading a book. Is that what it's all about? I don't think so. Life would get pretty dull after a while without anything meaningful to do, don't you think? I'm Jackie Doucette, and I'm on a mission to discover exactly what life is like beyond retirement. Join me while I chat with people who've already done it, who've retired to something rather than from something. Let's find out together exactly what's waiting for us when we say goodbye to that 9 to 5. Welcome to another episode of Beyond Retirement. Today, I'm really excited to be joined by Eddie Rice. Eddie's a speech writer and a public speaking coach with over 10 years of experience in the field. He loves creating strong narrative-driven speeches that focus on balancing emotion and thought leadership content. He's worked with executives, business leaders, nonprofit leaders, and everybody in between. And his book called Toast, Short Speeches, Big Impact, just hit the stores in April. So Eddie, thanks for joining me today. Thank you, Jackie. It's a pleasure to be here. So I've just said that you've got over 10 years of experience with helping people with speeches. You've obviously done a lot more things in your life. How did you end up uh, in this kind of service to people? I was looking for direction after being an eighth grade science teacher. Um, I enjoyed the work, but at the same time, it just was not the path for me that I realized in life. And I was thinking at that time I was going to be a public speaking coach, but I, very, I had very little business sense at that point. Um, I didn't know how to go out and get clients. I didn't know how to set up a website. I didn't know how to do SEO or content marketing or referral marketing, any of those things that I've really built into my business. So instead, I went on to Elance, which was the predecessor to Upwork, and yeah. saw that people were posting requests for speech. And I thought to myself, well, why don't I pivot? I'm a strong writer. I took rhetoric classes in college. I was on the mock trial team. I had been doing Toastmasters and thought, why don't I just do a turnkey service where I can write the speech for someone? And sure enough, I put up a few pitches of my own for people to, um, to request my services and to get theirs. And it started my first base of clients. I moved off of Elance and taught myself web design SEO, content marketing, everything that I needed to know. And I just found that niche where people didn't necessarily want the coaching. They just wanted the writing instead. And I was able to deliver that to them. That's really cool. So eighth grade science to speech writing. That's a, a little bit of a jump. It is, but I took some lessons from it. Um, I learned how to take really difficult concepts and distill them down into easy to understand concepts. So we were taking high school level material and having to distill it down to the eighth grade level. Right. Plus, I got to present every day, dealt with you know, random questions from the students, and at the same time, learned how to you know, budget my content so that I would make sure that I would cover everything in the hour or so that we had in class. That was a very important lesson for me to learn is just how much content can you truly get through with interruptions, with pauses, with checking for understanding. And that really helped me gauge uh, where I needed to be in the lesson at every single point uh, during, during the class. All right. And I bet it also helped with 
keeping people interested, finding the things and the way to deliver them that that keeps the you know keeps your class tuned into you would be a, a key thing in, in writing a speech, I'd think. Oh, very much. Uh, every day was a multimedia presentation, whether we were listening to podcasts like Radio Lab, watching video clips, to me presenting the material, you had to keep it varied. Because if you tried to talk an hour to eighth graders, um, you're going to lose their attention very quickly. And I don't think adults are too dissimilar from our eighth grade minds when we have something to listen to. Uh, we don't want to be droned to for a very long period of time. Right. I think maybe adults even give you less time than uh, kids do sometimes. They tune you out just as soon as they decide, you know, this isn't for me. Exactly. You got to hit them immediately with what's in it for them, along with a, an interesting hook, whether it's a story, a great stat that you have to share, or just an, an encapsulation of the problem you're trying to solve. Those things will help intrigue the audience immediately. So along the lines of what's in it for me, I imagine a few of the listeners are probably wondering why I'd be chatting with you about you know, writing speeches and that sort of thing. But one of the activities that goes along with retirement quite often is a retirement party or a retirement dinner. And I think a lot of people wonder what they should be saying. And they, they tend to go off the rails a little bit, trying to come up with how to say goodbye to you know, their coworkers or how to say thank you to the people that they've worked with. And I think that that's something that's really important that I imagine you could help with. Oh, very much. I've written plenty of retirement toasts, whether it's the person giving them or a colleague or coworker of someone who is retiring, toasting the honoree. And I tell people just there's two main rules for any toast. You want to honor the person and honor the event. And, it kind of, and it, I know it's a little bit hard when you're up there trying to talk about yourself and you don't want to brag. So you want to bring in stories that are more instructive. You want to think about like, what would be your last lecture? And what would be the last thing that you would want people to know about you and your li life lessons? And if you can tell your stories in that frame of mind, you won't come off as bragging. And instead, you'll have a much richer presentation. So when someone comes to you and, and they're looking for help with just that sort of thing, just something that theoretically should be short and sweet, um, because we've all been to those goodbye parties and <laughs> just the person goes on and on and on forever and you're not really sure what the point of it was. How do you help them figure out what it is they want to talk about? Sure. So I talk right up front about how long the speech should be, which is around five to seven minutes. Um, should probably be no longer than that. I mean, if you go to 10, it's no big deal, but that's your really your upper limit. You want to think that you know, you're almost at a wedding and you're just one of many people giving a toast, even if you are the main attraction for the evening. You still want to keep it really brief and short. And then I do a lot of brainstorming with clients. Uh, my speech writing is a partnership where I ask a lot of questions in the initial phone call and over email. Questions like, you know, who are the people in your life that have helped you? What moments um, were moments of growth for you? What did you learn from those lessons? Did you take any wrong turns in life? And I, I don't really call them wrong turns. I really call them more like left turns. You know, were there any times when you went in one direction and decided to go in another? How did that benefit you? And it's questions like those that help build the initial toast. And after that, I create a draft I send it over to the client for feedback, and then we just trade the draft back and forth, and we talk on the phone about what section is working, 
what section is not working, what other stories we can pull in. And usually by the end of that process, we've got a great toast uh, produced. That sounds fabulous. And that, that was going to be one of my next questions. I, I guess you would never really um, do prepare the toast or the speech from scratch for someone. You're always going to get input from them because you don't know their life, their history, what needs to go in it. But if someone, if someone isn't really sure what they want to talk about, can you help them figure that out? I definitely can. I think you just have to take a kind of biographical just overlook of your of your life and ask yourself, what were the three biggest moments that happened to me? And then what were the three lessons that I learned from those moments? And when you tell a story, you attach the lesson to that story. So you tell it and then you tell the lesson and then you go on to the next story and that will build your toast incredibly well. So you want to look for those just those moments of of growth did you change careers did you get married did you have kids did you start a new job did you just start a new business entirely what were those interesting moments in your life those key changes and if you can talk about those you're going to be on a really good path to having a great toast and then of course talk about the people who are instrumental in helping you we we all don't get through this life alone and there are people along the way for good and for bad that influence us to who we are today. And whether that's a spouse, a good friend, a good work colleague, your first manager, your last manager, whoever it was, talk about who they were. What did they say to you? What did they do in your life? How did they change your perspective on something? How did they get you to think about something in a new way? And if you can answer those types of questions, you're going to have an even better toast. Wow. <laughs> Keeping all that into five to seven minutes, that might, uh, might be a challenge for some people, I think. It is. So you, I, I, so what I tell people is, look, you can choose one or two different structures for your toast. Either a one-story structure where you just find one really great story, you tell that story, and then you talk about the lessons from it, or you limit yourself just to three stories. And you choose just the three best stories you can tell, tell the lessons from it, and you should be able to fit that into five to seven minutes. It might go closer to 10, and that's no problem. I guess, yeah, if you're, if you're the, uh, the guest of honor, people are going to give you a little bit of grace in that uh, time period. Oh, very much. And of course, someone like me helping out, I can take the stories that you provide and shorten them, whether it's you know, taking out unnecessary details, putting in just the key pop plot points, and then just making sure that we just write the stories with brevity. And that just comes with practice and re rewriting over and over again to get, get to get them a little bit shorter to fit into that time frame. Right. So and you mentioned practice. Do you recommend to people that they um, practice their speeches until they know it by heart or until they've memorized it or how you don't want someone to be standing up there and reciting like they're in third grade reciting a speech that they've prepared. But I think they do need to know it. Oh, very much. What I tell people is rather than memorizing the speech, it's to internalize it. What you do is you can um, do a, a technique that's called scaffold and memorization, where you start with the speech and you're kind of your you know, third grade approach, as you put it, and have it all written out. You practice that speech as much as you can till you got it down. Then you rewrite it as an outline, only including the, the big parts of the outline that you wanted to include. Then you try to give the speech just from that outline. Forgive yourself for not, you know, hitting every and or the or but in a sentence. You can just kind of riff on it. And then 
give the speech again with a shorter outline each time until you've internalized it and mastered it enough that you've got a speech. And then the outline is there just as your notes as a backup. And you can put those notes on note cards if you want. Um, I don't recommend a cell phone because those always die at the wrong time. But at the time, uh, note cards really help if you write them out in like big Sharpie marker because the lights are probably going to be dim. Uh, it's easier to read them that way. But you want to take that speech that you have, internalize it gradually, and you should have a well-rehearsed, well-prepared speech ready to give. Perfect. So once you've done that, when, once I'm sitting there with all my little cards and my, my outline and I've got it all memorized, how do you help someone get over just the fear of giving a speech? Because I know that's a big thing for a lot of people. Oh, it very much is. It very much is. There's that Seinfeld joke where um, if you're at the funeral and you're giving the eulogy, you'd much rather be the person in the coffin given the fear of yep. public speaking. <laughs> so there's a, few, there's a few ways to go about it. One, if you have the time, I would suggest joining Toastmasters. Uh, it's a worldwide organization that helps people become better speakers and better leaders. And you can just do a Google search or search on the Toastmasters website for a club near you. They typically meet every week and you get a chance to speak at these club gatherings in front of a group of people that are positive, supportive, affirming, and you just need stage time, essentially, um, to get over that fear of public speaking. Once you do it once or twice, you realize it's not too bad. But I also have a few techniques that I give people for calming their nerves ahead of time. One of those is just deep breathing, where you breathe in for three seconds, hold it for three seconds, exhale for three seconds. Then you add another count onto that, four, five, six, and you repeat the process until you're calmed down. And what that does is it gets your heart rate and your breathing rate down. It, it helps with our kind of biological flight or fight response. And that's going to put you in a much more focused mood um, and, and frame of mind ready to give your speech. So do you ever do the uh, classic, uh, give the classic suggestions of looking out at your audience and imagining everybody in their underwear or naked or do you think that works? No, unfortunately, it, that is just some sort of old wives tale in the public speaking world. I don't think it's ever worked for anyone. Um, but if you are looking out to your audience, I found it helpful to find a few people that you can focus in on when you give your speech to them. So you want to find one or two people to make eye contact with amongst the crowd as you give the speech. And that's going to help you look more engaging with the audience. Okay. So that probably a better, a better tip or a, a better practice for a, a larger group, um, a little bit more, uh, for a little more intimate uh, occasion, like a retirement dinner, I guess you'd, you'd kind of be singling people out a little bit more if you're if you're looking right at them um but i guess it's still it's important to make eye contact with people all the time to make make sure that they're getting what you're talking about and that sort of thing sure it doesn't have to be eye contact for very long periods of time it can be a second to a second and a half it doesn't have to be you know um like on a on a first date like you know eye gazing into each other or anything like <laughs> just be one or two seconds and moving on to another person as you look around. You just don't want to look up or look down the entire time. You want to look out into your audience. So moving on from good tips, can you suggest things that maybe we should be trying to avoid as well? 
Sure. I think if you are bragging too much in your speech where it's all about you and not about the people that have helped you, that's going to come off as very self-centered. Yes, you want to tell stories about your life, but they want to be stories of growth. But if you don't forget, but if you forget to thank the people in your life, there's going to be a few angry people in the audience saying, well, why didn't he say any, he or she say anything about me? So you want to make sure that you are thanking the right people and the ones that are in the room. But on the flip side of that, you don't want your entire speech to be a bunch of thank yous and acknowledgments, especially in the beginning. There are some speeches out there where the person starts with having to thank every single person in the room and you've lost your audience by that point. So yeah. I would stay away from doing that. And then of course, that's the length consideration. This no more than 10 minutes for the speech, keep it short and sweet. And if you can't thank everyone, you can thank them personally and privately at the end as well, just in personal conversations. Oh, that's a good idea. So yeah, I've, I've listened to a few speeches before where it just a big long litany of names. I'm, you know, I'm so thankful to whoever. And by the time they actually get to what they're saying, you're definitely listening to something else. Your mind is gone and you're not, you're not focused anymore. And I think that's something that I know I was taught a long time ago with any sort of speech is that the things you say first and the things you say last are what people are going to remember. So those need to be the important parts. Yes, completely agree. So now, um, do you have any little anecdotes, any, any stories from your past where maybe things went wrong for you? I do. Um, so this was early on in my public speaking career where I thought I was doing quite well. I was part of Toastmasters, and one of the things that they have are public speaking competitions. And you can enter them at your club level, and then there's different levels above that um, that you can then advance onto if you win that competition. Well, I won my first competition, and it was for a humorous speech. I did incredibly well that evening. I had the whole audience laughing. Um, in comedians' terms, I killed that night. However, I go on to the next level. I get up there. I tell my first joke. Silence. I tell my second joke. Tepid laughter. Just kind of like that, apply, a, a, you know, polite laughter and applause that, you know, is kind of a, a, a pity move almost. And then I went into other funny stories that I thought were funny and the audience just never moved. It was just this quiet, monolithic, you know, audience. And wow. I just, I, I knew I was freezing and not doing well kind of halfway through and my nerves took over. And all of my like kind of self-judgment and just um, imposter syndrome that was creeping in. And I just sat down very defeated and deflated. And wow. later on, there was another competition called Table Topics where they gave you impromptu speeches. And I thought I was ready for that. But the feelings from that first speech were still there with me. And I just completely froze up when I was up there. However, there's a good ending to this story. I said, look, I'm not going to let this one moment write the entire story of my public speaking career. I'm going to go out. I'm going to do more competitions. I'm going to find more opportunities to speak. I'm going to find more opportunities to help people become better writers. And I kept on with it. I kept on with Toastmasters and kept finding opportunities to speak and have just flourished. And I'm here today to help spread that message that, you know, if you have one time that you bomb at public speaking, don't let that be your personal story rewrite your story by going out there and trying again, because it was just one moment that happened in your life. It doesn't have to be the entire story of public speaking that you tell yourself forever. 
Oh, that's excellent. I like that because that that's something that I think a lot of people do. And especially as you get older, you start looking back at your life and, and what you see are the quote unquote failures, the, the times where you weren't your best. And, and for some reason, that's human nature to look at those things and, and internalize those as the I know, accomplishments that you've made. And I think it's really important that we all look at look at those as just little steps. And those are the stories that make up our life. They're, they're not our life. Yes, agreed. I think we can just all take lessons from any type of failure that we've had in our life and just make sure that it's not the story that we tell, that when we instead tell ourselves the stories of our successes as well. Yeah. So just to kind of wrap things up, I know you've given a lot of tips so far on how to make the the best of your speech time or your, your toast or whatever you're doing. What are some, just some final tips that you would give someone who is absolutely dreading the thought of the retirement party or the retirement dinner that they're going to, because they're going to be expected to say something. I think the best thing that you can do is prepare ahead of time. A lot of times we are scared of public speaking because of our lack of preparation And then second, find somebody to practice your speech with ahead of time. And you want to find what I call a critical friend. It's the friend that doesn't, you know, blast you with positivity about everything. And it's not the person that's completely negative or critical in your entire life. It's that person that can find that middle ground that can tell you the truth without harming your ego. So find that person in your life who you can practice your speech in front of and get real feedback from them. And that's going to help you get your practice time in ahead of time to give the speech. In addition, uh, one technique that's really helped out a lot of my writers, uh, a lot of the writers that I worked with, is to imagine your speech almost as a letter and to write it that way. So imagine that instead of having to give the speech, you could just write a letter. Well, what would you write? What would you put down onto the page? But once you have that letter written, it's just a matter of reading that letter aloud with rehearsal and preparation to your audience. And that's going to be a great toast as well. Uh, That's a really good idea. I like that because most people can write a letter, right? There's just no, there's no threat. There's no, you know, no scariness about that. Awesome. So people can reach you on your website. That's ricespeechwriting.com, correct? That's correct. And that's the best place, best way to reach you. Easily the best place. You can find me on LinkedIn. I'm at LinkedIn slash Eddie dash rice. And the rice is spelled just like the food, R-I-C-E. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Eddie, for joining me today. I think you're probably, uh, you've probably helped a lot of people get over at least some of the little fears that they've got about uh, speech writing, about giving a a toast, that sort of thing. I know it's going to help me because uh, I need to do it myself. (laughs) Oh, wonderful, Jackie. It was a pleasure to be on the show today. And thank you for taking the time to talk with me. And that's it for this episode of Beyond Retirement. Thank you so much for hanging out with me. I hope you enjoyed it. To check out the video interviews, please go to my YouTube channel at bit.ly forward slash beyond retirement. That's B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash beyond retirement. Be sure to subscribe so you won't miss any new episodes.